It's really interesting. Um, I, you know, the week before that, we had, I'd taken Becky to see her mom in Garden City and had some time to be with that. And I had like two weeks uh, to sort of let my mind meditate and prepare. And we've been answering, you know, the four questions. Is there a God? And if there is, what is this God like? That's, that's the second question. You've got to establish the character of God. Third is, what does this God require of me? And then this fourth question, what, does, what can I expect from God? What, what can I reasonably expect from him? So yeah, I've been working on that, and, I, and we went to Garden City, and I had some time to think, and I was dialed up <clears throat> on a lesson uh, that really, one of probably the last one is this, to let God be God and quit trying to do that yourself. Uh, <clears throat> what can you expect from God? You can expect him to be God, and you're not. <laughs> Um, and so I had that dialed up, but last Saturday, and I, you know, I'm just trying to be sensitive to this last Saturday. I just said to Becky, I said, I, I'm not sure what to tell you here, but my soul just feels just arid. You ever had that? And I thought, this is crazy. The semester just started. I've only made a few students cry so far and you know, it's haven't got that far into the semester yet, but I did. I said, and I said this to her, I said, this is crazy, I said, um, I, I, my soul just feels so dry. After a long summer of reading and studying and all that, and then I said this to her, she, I said, I don't even want to teach tomorrow. She said, what? I said, yeah, there's something going on. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I know, you know, I, I think I have enough awareness. And so I just said, I'm going to my office and I'm just going to sit down and I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to try to produce anything. I'm not going to try to create anything or, you know, an outline. I'm not going to let myself kind of wander into that prep mode. And so I just went to my office and I just said, Lord, I, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, but I, I know me well enough. And I've lived with Jesus long enough that I knew that my soul was just arid. And so I sat there. And as I sat there and prayed and just thought, I didn't hear a voice. And I'm not real mystical by nature. Uh, uh, the Lord just began to direct me to Psalm 23. Now, here's the thing. I have never taught Psalm 23 in my entire life. Ever. Pieces of it, you know, goofing around like, you know, you had to tell somebody something, you know. <laughs> never. Never. And so it was real strange that that direction seemed to come. And as I then began to study and I began to sense the Lord was doing something in me about my life, about me, and allowing me to be, we'll get to this someday in that fourth verse, uh, he restores my soul. So it was just, I, I told Larry this week, I, I got a hold of him, I said, Larry, I, this was fascinating to me, what maybe God may be doing. I don't know. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not claiming any particular revelation here, but... But I do know that there are times in our lives when we need the shepherd and we need to know we're under his care. And so that, that's kind of our theme here that today we're working through is this, is what can I expect from God is to be taken into his care, to be taken into his care. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but um, in my life uh, so far, I was thinking uh, my mom is 85 years old. I thought I'd show you. I talk about her generally pretty nicely. Uh, but I thought I'd show you a picture of her. That's my mom on the right. Um, I forget who that lady is on the left. But it's one of my mom's friends. Uh, that's my mom on the right, and uh, she's 85 years old, and um, 
she, uh, I remember, uh, tell you something about me, I remember uh, some years ago, somebody was saying to my mom how beautiful her hair was. And, you know, how do you get your hair that white and that beautiful? And they said, what color do you? She goes, that's my natural color. And uh, I happened to be there. I heard this. And uh, so she says, my natural color. And the lady said, well, how do you have such a beautiful natural color? I'm not, I'm not kidding you now. My mom pointed at me. <laughs> she did. That, mom shouldn't do that. She literally and said, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm the oldest. But my mom uh, has come to the point in her life now where we think uh, it's likely that she's going to have to have some attention in assisted living. And uh, we've, we've kind of dreaded that day. Uh, <clears throat> she's been pretty vibrant. Uh, she's 85. Her mother lived to be basically 99, and her grandmother lived to be 99. So she believes she's going to be here a while. And uh, we've, we've tried to uh, work with her and talk with her, and uh, she sort of said, I can do this. Her name is Patsy, by the way, not Pat or Patricia. She's from Texas, <clears throat> okay? It's Patsy. Uh, <clears throat> and, and it's been a little bit of a difficult experience because we're wanting to know who can we put her in the care of. You know, we're talking with different organizations and different places and different people, and, and we're saying it, it, it's going to come now to... Uh, my brother, you know, he just lost. In fact, I, I've talked about Mike's son. Mike just lost his wife uh, last April. Uh, this is my brother on the left. The person in the center thinks she's the uh, ruler of the universe. <clears throat> That's my sister. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and that's me. <clears throat> yeah, you figured that one out. Yeah. Um, but um, <clears throat> Mike is lost his wife, she was 57, died of lung cancer this past April. And so it's sort of fallen on Mike, because <clears throat> he lives there, to care for her. And so we've been in the process of trying to find, who do we want to put my mom in care of, right? I mean, that's a serious matter. I mean, you, you want to make sure they're going to take care of her, and they're going to be attentive and, and loving and kind. And, you know, we're all going to face this <clears throat> at some point, to where we have to put our loved ones in the care of others. And so I was, I was thinking about this, that <clears throat> that that in our own lives now, as followers of Jesus, that we can expect that God will take us into his care. And so if you'll turn to Psalm 23, we're going to look at this. Psalm 23, <clears throat> Psalm 23, <clears throat> very famous passage. And <clears throat> I want to look at, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, several <clears throat> matters here about this passage, about what can we expect where we're in the care of God? What, what can we expect from God in his care for us. And so you know the passage. It's, it's maybe the most famous passage besides John 3.16. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Now it's interesting. I think if you look the structure of this passage at least. I think that what the writer is saying. The Lord is my shepherd. And because of that I have everything that I need. And then beginning at verse 2 to the end. This is going to enumerate it. Or sort of give us the details of it. The the. The notion of <clears throat> I have everything that I want or everything that I, not every, I have everything that I need is found in these passages, and <clears throat> and so we're looking at that. Notice also, if you will, <clears throat> um, I want you to look at the end of verse three. I, I, I want to get there today. Um, in verse three, <clears throat> in the <clears throat> in the New American Standard, the word for <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> for His namesake. It says there, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of right for his namesake. 
Now, I'm going to suggest that all of those <clears throat> matters there. Leave me by still waters, green pastures, leads me in paths of righteousness, restores my soul, is for the namesake <clears throat> of God. Uh, <clears throat> I said this last week, that <clears throat> the reputation of a shepherd is going to generally be determined by the condition of his sheep. Say that again. The, the, the reputation, <clears throat> excuse me, the reputation of a shepherd is generally going to be indicated by the condition and the care of his sheep. Becky's dad <clears throat> was a farmer out in southwestern Kansas, and I heard this time and time again um, that we would be uh, driving by uh, the fields, you know, sometimes. They would ask me sometimes, do you, do you want to go look at the crops? And I go, not really. Uh, <laughs> I realized that was a bad idea. Uh, I, I said, I said this, I, you know, I'm a city guy. I said, yeah, I saw him when I came in and, uh, that was not a good idea, but Arlen, <clears throat> Arlen would make these, uh, I make these statements. <clears throat> We'd look at a field and had weeds and, and all kinds of stuff in it, you know, which I can't tell the weed from a corn ear, but you know, <clears throat> see all that shit. Look at all those weeds. I said, yeah, yeah, boy, you know, uh, <clears throat> not really, but but Arden would look at all those weeds, and then you know what he would determine? The kind of character of that farmer. He's lazy. He would say stuff like that in, our, in the truck, you know, not to people's face. <clears throat> but he would say he's lazy. He doesn't care. What he, took, he took that farmer's field and the condition it was in and drew conclusions about the person. Now, in a similar way, if you will, that uh, uh, the shepherd's namesake is determined by the way he or she cares for the sheep, right? He does this for his namesake so that people will know you can trust this shepherd. You, you can have confidence in this shepherd. Nobody's going to put themselves in the care of a shepherd that doesn't see the condition of those sheep to say, hey, that's a pretty good place to be. I said to you last week, I saw a dog the other day that was cared by some people, and that poor dog, his life was miserable because of the owner. Yeah. So sheep, their condition, their experience when they put themselves in the care of shepherd. And, and, and so I want you to think about this, that, that in this idea of the, uh, this would be a Middle Eastern or a, 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 a Israeli uh, a shepherd. These, these shepherds lead. I've always been fascinated by this. And you can see the landscape there. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. The landscape. One guy said when we were in Israel a few years ago, I think I mentioned that a couple of times that I've been to Israel, like 400 times. Um, they said there's two things you'll always find in Israel, rocks and artifacts. <clears throat> That's it. And so uh, is, uh, uh, Middle Eastern shepherds <clears throat> lead. This is interesting. This is actually a picture of an American shepherd. They don't lead, they drive. Because efficiency, <clears throat> you know, and getting more of them than you can. All the time. And, and so the idea of the shepherd leads. The American shepherd. And then I told you last week, of course, that's the German shepherd. That uh, <laughs> Becky said, don't do that. But I said, I'm going to do it anyway. <clears throat> He's cute. <clears throat> yeah. So what is it? What, what can we expect if we're put in his care? I'm going to say, whoops. <clears throat> Here it is. This is actually a picture <clears throat> Of, uh, of the Judean desert that's right, when you take a right at a stoplight in Israel, in, or in Jerusalem, that's what it looks like. I mean, it's amazing. I thought we were on the moon. 
let me tell you, <clears throat> we were driving through this area and <clears throat> on our way to Galilee, and this, these are the roads going down to Jericho, <clears throat> and we're driving along, and I saw several little camps of people <clears throat> with sheep and goats, little Bedouin families and groups, and I said to Becky when we're, driving, we're in the car driving, I said, man, this brings a whole new meaning to how important life with the shepherd is. Because the shepherd is the one who knows where the grass is and where the water is. And this is fascinating. I said, I, I have a whole new appreciation for the 23rd Psalm. This was back in 2013 when we went. And I said, to, to understand, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's the one who will lead me and guide me to those places. We, we drove all the way down to Jericho. I, I just said, I, I didn't see anything green the entire trip at all. And so this idea, the Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh is the term there. He's my shepherd. So if I'm in his care, what can I expect? First of all, we said this last week, so we have the recording went up late, but it says that the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, if you get taken into his care, it's personal. He's not a shepherd. He's not the shepherd. He's my shepherd. <clears throat> it's personal. Uh, <clears throat> it's interesting, in my opinion, that I told you last week, if you would spend a little time in John 10, um, that Jesus says the shepherd calls his sheep by name. Isn't that interesting? I mean, <clears throat> Becky, when they were growing up, they raised cattle. They didn't name anything they ate, <laughs> right? You don't know. Uh, this is bossy over here. No, you don't say that. You don't call her Daisy because she's going to the meatpacking plant, right? <clears throat> With sheep, the ancient practice, the Middle Eastern practice, is to name them. They have a name. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me to believe that. But part of the research you do, you understand, is that they actually name them. There's a personal kind of thing. Jesus even said they know his voice and he knows their name. So it's real personal if we are put into his care. I think, you know, sometimes we believe God loves the world. That's his job. But does he love me? God is a shepherd. He's control of the world. But does he care about me? And so if we can expect to be put into the care of God. We're taken into his care. It's personal. We talked about that last year. Number two, or B, taken into his care. <clears throat> I want to I remind you again of the word pause. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. Notice the very first thing that starts is pause or rest. And I said to you last week, <clears throat> I, I just, I, I just got to say another <clears throat> thing on this. This suggests... That life with the shepherd or life with this God starts from a position of rest. Think about this for a second. I mean, we, we think we got to do things and, and we think we've got to achieve. <clears throat> I love, there's a little book by Roy Hessian. I recommend, I recommend a few weeks ago called We Would See Jesus. And Roy makes this fascinating comment when he says, this idea of rest, he says that most of us think that Bible study and prayer is the way to Jesus. Don't we? You got to read your Bible and pray. He said, that's not true. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way. Bible study and prayer are not the way to Jesus. Bible study and prayer are the result of getting in or being in the way with Jesus. It's not the way to him. You don't earn it. You don't get better at it. You don't make some achievement here. He's the way. We go to the way. And then we may spend time in prayer and Bible study. But prayer and Bible study is not the way to live. He's the way. 
So it begins with this matter of pause, a matter, a matter of, of rest, of, of, of coming into this, this matter. Uh, I said to you again, in Ephesians, if you study the book of Ephesians, uh, Watchman Nee wrote a book on this where it begins in chapter 2, we sit with him in heavenly places. We walk worthy of the calling, chapter 4. And in chapter 6 of Ephesians, we stand against the power of the enemy. And Nee made the, made the statement, I think he's right, that the Christian life begins sitting. You've got to sit before you can walk. Before you can stand. How many of us live frantic lives because we think we got to achieve? We, no, no. The, the Christian life, the life with the shepherd begins at rest. To rely upon him. To trust him. To, to believe that he has what we need. The other thing I'd draw your attention to is this. This has been fascinating to me. Do you remember in, uh, in uh, the Old Testament? What day were human beings created on? I know, I don't, don't feel bad about this. I had to rethink myself and go back. What day? I, I can't remember. Huh? Sixth day. Thursday afternoon. I don't know. <laughs> Bishop Uther, Usher thinks, you know, it was, five, it was on, you know, February the 16th, two, uh, you know, 6,025. Uh, <clears throat> think, just think about this for a second. If human beings are created on the sixth day, what is the first day human beings experience? Sabbath. That's the first day human beings experience is to rest. Why? Because they serve a Yahweh, they serve a God. We're going to look at this here in a bit. They serve a God who's taking care of it. No restlessness, no anxiety. No fear. You know, it, it, it's, the, it's the notion of if I, if I get into the care of this shepherd, the first thing he does is say, lay down. Does that mean that? That's, help, that's helpful to me. That, that this isn't this achieving, attempting, trying, trying to prove myself to God. But he says, Cliff, rest in me. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. It's a rest in Him. Come to me, y'all, you weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you another list. <laughs> right? Pharisees, it's a smaller list, you know. Pharisees got a big list. I got a small list. That's what we think. Come to me, are you worried, heavy laden? I'll give you some more lists. And I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. And so, so this idea of it's, we go into his care, it's personal, it's possible. And then here we go, here we go. It's provision. Notice what he says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. <clears throat> you, you didn't see any green pastures in that picture, did you? <clears throat> I didn't see a one. And again, <clears throat> I drove all the way down to Jericho to say and, and thought, this shepherd's got to know what he's doing. When you put yourself in the care of this shepherd, you have everything you need because he knows what he's doing. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths. Around. So I want to look here, first of all, at this first thing. He, we are taken into his care. I've got to read my notes. I made two different sets of notes. This could get scary. <clears throat> it says right here, green pastures. Now, again, a couple of those, 
the picture there of the shepherd, uh, the Jewish shepherd leading, you can see all the rocks and all the stuff. And then in that picture of the uh, Judean desert, this, this idea of, of, uh, of green pastures is a fascinating idea <clears throat> that this shepherd knows where the nourishment is. This is the shepherd that knows where you can go to eat. Sheep are constantly seeking to eat. Uh, one, one writer said this, <clears throat> that the reason sheep can't lay down is if a shepherd hasn't provided them with green pastures where they get enough to eat to finally sit down. They're constantly foraging and looking for food. Green pastures represents the provision, the nourishment that the sheep need, that only the shepherd knows where it is. This idea here is what if we understood the fact that this shepherd has what we need. He gives us what we need in terms of feeding, sustenance, if you will. My mind at least... Uh, began to move in that direction. Here, the, obviously, David is using a metaphor. Uh, uh, David is, is, is discussing something here uh, as it relates uh, to providing us with nourishment or the sustenance uh, that we need. But I thought about this. I thought, here it is, green pastures. What does that suggest? Abundance. You know, we, we've got some deer <clears throat> that live back uh, between uh, our neighborhood and the... the uh, uh, Hefner, I'm Church of God, the Hefner obstruction. We can't say damn. <laughs> can't. It's against our religion. It's an obstruction. Don't get me started. Right, Dennis? Dennis knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. But between us and the Hefner obstruction, <clears throat> there's a bunch of deer live back there. I was shocked, I thought, when I went down 122nd, we first moved there. I thought, what are some Department of Highways people had a sign they didn't know what to do with and just put it on 122nd, deer crossing. You know? <laughs> Found that there are. And I said to Becky this summer, I said, wow, I know those deer are having a great time. She just looks at me like, you think about the weirdest stuff. <laughs> and I said, because of the rain and all we've had, there's an abundant food supply. There's an abundant food supply. These green pastures, all of this grass and all of these, all this foliage available to them because of the weather. Now, in the ancient Near East where Israel is, it's a matter of knowing where to go. It's a matter of where is it. It isn't everywhere. As you can see in different pictures, this is an arid climate that is difficult to find feeding grounds. And the shepherd's job to do that. So I thought about this. What, what, what could we say here kind of as an application? If you have your Bibles open or your tablet or, or wherever you're at, go to 2 Peter just for a second. I, I, you need to see this verse here in my Bible. Go to the table of contents. It's 1168. That's where it is in my Bible. It's the easiest way to find verses. 2 Peter. Uh, we've talked about this in the past some, but I just think it's important. When he says, he leads me into green pastures. He, 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 ca he causes me to lie down. You know, it is, yes, uh, I thought, yeah. Second Peter 1. Thank you, Philip. Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1. You know, some of this, when we think about our shepherd, is he stingy? <laughs> or is he abundant? Is there abundance with him? Of, of, of a desire to, to give us what we need or even more? I've always been fascinated by this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to begin at verse 2. It says this, Grace and peace 
be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. How do you have grace and peace? Right there. Having knowledge of God. Grace and peace isn't what's happening in life. It isn't what we can experience all the time. It's, it's a matter or a measure of having knowledge of God. This good God. So he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted us mostly what we need. Y'all's Bibles are weird. What does it say there? Notice that. He's, he's provides, granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. If we had time, we'd unpack this. For by these, he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises. So th think about this. Th this green pastures idea is what I'm talking about here. That, that God has provided more than we need. He's provided everything that we need for life and God. Not just religion. Notice that. It's not just for being godly and good. That's, that's good. But life. Some of our guys in our Bible study on Friday morning would say stuff like this. You know, I'm, I'm basically a Christian and I follow Jesus because I think I found out this is the way life works. You come to that? Do you really think that this shepherd knows how life works? That it really is the best way to live? You know, and I know people said this before and I, I'm not there yet, but, you know, I still would like to go to heaven. Still there. But if for this life alone is what God provides and how he helps us to live our lives with one another and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the life of Christ, is that, is that good enough for us? Green pastures. He provides everything we need for life and godliness. And so when, when we, think about, <clears throat> we think about this idea of provision, God's not stingy. I mean, I think, notice here he says, <clears throat> he has granted to us everything we need. And verse 4, he's granted to us precious promises. On God's end, it's been what? Given. It's our end or our help or our decision to try to understand, how do I access that? How do I live that out? It's not that it hasn't been granted, it's that how do we apply it? And that's Always a challenge. We always say, I'm fixing to give you an application here in a minute. The, the biggest problem in the Christian life isn't generally a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of, how, what do I do with this? How do I make, not make it work, but because it already works, but to participate in it in my daily life. So the provision. I have all that I need. My, the Lord is my shepherd. He, he gives me all I need in terms of green pastures. And the challenge for us, for you, for me, I wrote in my notes here, that's true if you let him lead you. That's true if you let him lead you. See, 
let, let, get one of those sheep out there in the Judean desert and decide, I'm doing this on my own. Probably going to be in trouble. Right? So it does come down to to say, okay, the Lord is my shepherd. That's wonderful. He's great. He's wonderful. But you got to let him lead you. And that's where the struggle is. Am I willing to be led? Am, am, I, am I willing to say, God, when you say this is the way life works, I'll do it. I don't understand it. I'm not sure about that. But I know you're the shepherd I can trust. So, so here's an idea. What if this week you read Psalms 23 and 2 Peter uh, 1, 2 to 4 and just meditate on God's provision for your nourishment? Talk to him about it. Hey, you know what you said here? You provide me everything I need. Now, here's where I am in my life. Where, where's the provision? Maybe you could talk to someone. Maybe you could study a particular book of the Bible or spend some time with someone. But he says here, green pastures. And I'm just telling you, and you could probably see on those, those uh, pictures. When you see a green pasture in Israel, it's like a neon sign. <laughs> It is. It's sort of like Kansas. That's a terrible analogy. Sort of like this. When you go to Kansas, where Becky's from like that, whenever you see a tree or shrubbery, you know there's people there. There's a house. Because that stuff doesn't grow natural, right? You know? It's not the end of the earth, but you can see it from there. And so when, when, when you see greenery, you know there's people there. There's water. There's, there's, when we look at here and say... This shepherd knows where to go to find that stuff for you. All I'm trying to say to you and to me, because I told you this, this teaching was what I had to have. That I have to go to the shepherd and say, you're good. You, you, you've let me start with rest. Now I need provision. Now I want to stop right here. I, boy, I thought I'd go further than that. Two years ago yesterday, <clears throat> two years ago yesterday, uh, we were praying our heads off for David Fatkin, who had a massive heart attack, if you remember, one of those weird ones where it blew up on the inside and outside. I, don't, I can't explain it. Uh, but the heart hospital guys were just befuddled by it. David had surgery uh, and uh, did not wake up for nine days. And we were praying for him. I remember, I have a good friend who's a doctor, and we were going to see him because we thought he's going to die on this particular night. David, you don't remember this. We're just we're filling you in. He was asleep. So, Eden, you remember this. David doesn't remember anything. He was just sleeping. Um, we're we're driving there, and my friend is a doctor. I said, "So what are we talking about?" He said, "Oh, about thirty percent chance." That was bad. But then I found out later my friend was fudging a little bit. He told me later when David survived, he said ten percent. So we were praying like crazy, and uh, I remember being in the hospital. And I've never seen this happen before where the surgeon was at the end of David's bed. Eden's there staying with him every day. And the doctor at the end of the bed is yelling, Mr. Fatkin, wake up. I didn't know that was a medical procedure. <laughs> Next time I go to my doctor, he just say, Cliff, get well. Okay. Thank you. I'm out of here. No shots. But I mean, it was so last Sunday was two years that that happened. It got by me. So I've asked David and Eden to come up here for a few minutes and share with us God's provision for them. The shepherd's provision 
when they come on up here, this, this way, guys. No, uh, uh, the provision. They're, they're shy. Smile at them. Act like you like them. Well, the way he told it is what happened, basically. Um, David had a post-infarct VSD, and what happened was the heart attack blew a hole. Um, you have a wall that separates the two sides of your heart, and it blew a hole that was um, almost an inch in diameter. Um, and when they, when he did, we tried, you know, to get him to a certain point where they could patch it, and he didn't quite make it. Which, in the, what we found out later, was that it caused his his vital organs to start shutting down. His um, because he went too long without his heart pumping correctly. And uh, they had tried some procedures, which we, we have a good friend, Charlotte, and um, <laughs> Gary's daughter. But her, we were telling the daughter about it, and she said, they did that to you? She goes, oh, one of my patients' heart exploded over that. And we're like, oh. But um, what... I want you to know about God's provision is obviously it was amazing. I mean, we're here. He's here. He's so healthy. He'll, he'll tell you about that. So there was definitely a provision that goes beyond understanding. But life does give us more than we can handle. That is a myth that God only gives us what we can handle. He gives us more than we can handle. And... There's been a lot of prayer that have been answered in the last couple of years out of just complete brokenness and desperation. Um, one of Cliff's passages that he talks about a lot is when John was in prison and he sent word to Jesus, are you what we expected? And Jesus' answer was, you've seen all these miracles and we saw a miracle but it still wasn't. Life was not going the way we expected after, even after a miracle. Um, there's a lot of things they don't tell you when they send you home. Like, um, um, well, there's a, it's called pump head, <laughs> which is really what it's called. <laughs> and there's, a, there's depression that comes. There's all kinds of issues that come with that sort of uh, medical um, circumstances that, that we had no idea. We thought, oh, you get a miracle, everything's going to be great now. And, and what we found out that God is still going to lead you through a lot of things, but that he does. And what it, what it was is God showed us that, how very, very big he was, not just with us but in all of everything, in all of creation and everything. But there was still a dependence that we needed to learn. And he sent, he taught us that by having to rely on other people. In Galatians, when it says to carry each other's burdens, that's a hard thing. It's so fun to do it with other people when you're the one who's getting to help, but when to be the recipients of needing help, that's a hard thing to do, to let other people help. Um, 
and our families have still just helped in ways we could never um, tell you how grateful we are for our families. And now we're going to have a new family that we're already starting to um, need. We, there's dependence there, and that's such a hard thing. Um, and we just are so grateful to God and how he's led us to that the pasture where everything around looked very rocky. So. You done? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I, I'm dead, okay? It, it, uh, thank you. So I got like 10 talking points, and I figured I'd let her go and then decide which one of the two I wanted to do. How many of you guys were here when we did this two years ago? Help me. Not many. Okay, so she got the medical thing out of the way. That's kind of boring. Um, I probably should leave these on so I can actually... So anyway, the post-perfusion thing is your brain doesn't work right. You can't collect your thoughts, and I didn't know about that until he handed me a microphone and said, come share. <laughs> and I went back and listened to that about two weeks later and go, what did I do to those poor people? <laughs> um, and to compound it, it's like when... when uh, you have issues like that, and, and you know, I, I know it's real because it's like I'd bounce off of pylons and curbs when I started driving again and say the wrong word or look for it 20 minutes and someone said, just make something up and move on. <laughs> and when you compound that with I'm prone towards excess verbiage and people, when your best friends look at you and go, is there a point in all this? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm done being funny now. Now I'm going to be serious and probably get teary. Um, I'm a really normal guy. Perhaps, and the, the, the part of it that all of that stuff that was really kind of amazing to me is I, I heard numbers like from other doctors like, you know, between staph infections, crashed organs, uh, this one device that worked on you for 12 hours that our doctor friend said, you ought to be on the a picture of you ought to be on the wrapper of that dude because it never worked past four hours. And it worked about 12 on me, I think. Uh, something to keep your heart pumping when, what they say? Has this ever worked? Oh, once, we think. Um, <laughs> I, I don't understand any of that. I, I, I'm a real normal guy who lives through something extraordinary. And when I talked to my friends about the why and that, one of my friends is a cancer survivor. She said, sometimes you're going to be hope. Try not to mess it up. <laughs> I shall try to honor that. So there's this show that Eden dragged me into kicking and screaming called This Is Us uh, that a lot of people watch. And I, I'm like, I don't like this. It's depressing. So they have problems and it doesn't always end well. And it's real life, which today, this is us. Um, here's, here's real life. As a few weeks before I went down, I can remember praying at a mall or something because the girls were shopping at lunch on Sunday, and I just looked around and went, there's a sea of people out here. God, if you can take me somewhere where I can share something with someone that's helpful instead of just sitting here listening to my radio. Okay, I'm down. Didn't happen. Um, yesterday, that came back into my head when he said what we were going to talk about, and uh, I got something I can share with every once in a while now. Didn't go the way I thought. Um, I try not to say this is all about me because here, here's what I know, folks. Um, everybody doesn't get better. Um, you know, he's already mentioned his sister-in-law passing away. I met her a couple times, got to have dinner with him. She's a sweetheart, way more deserving of going to 99 than me. Um, I, I don't get it. Um, I don't get people who bury kids. I know it tears at my heart like it never used to. Um, and I... I know I'm one of the ones still standing, and I get tasked every day with try to, how to try to honor that. Uh, when you're running on bonus miles, you figure they belong to someone else. Um, 
but I couldn't find that place. And when I went on job interviews and stuff like that, I know it came out like, eh, I'll do this if I have to for a paycheck, but I don't want to. I mean, I, I, I can't do that anymore. Um, I tried, but it just, you know, and it's my best friends I'm interviewing with. It's, there's a hole there, and I'm like, man, I don't know. Um, and, and, you know, I know you've been real productive in the past, but I think you're a little messed up right now. And uh, so I got narrowed down onto these uh, two jobs the same week, and I was talking to my friend Mr. Graham back there about it, who's had some trauma in his own life. They've dealt with stuff, too. Um, I was talking to him about, and I love Stuart because he's very direct. Like, he's that guy that'll grab you by the neck and say, is there a point to all this? You know, he's one of those. Um, I need that guy in my life. And he asked me a lot about career path searches. What do you, and so I'm talking to him about, I've got this meeting scheduled, third one with a group that was a really noble job trying to help people find careers. And out of the blue, this guy called me that I applied for like three months ago at this job at a high school that, um, Anyway, the way this all ended up was I was in front of these three people on a final meeting to do this job that was really noble, helping people that were out of work find work through state programs and federal programs, and I felt great about it. And I sat through that meeting, and it was all going fabulous, and I got this comment from this lady, well, we'll get back to you in a couple of days, but this feels really good. And I looked her right in the eye and went, I think I'm going to take this job as a special ed paraprofessional helping severe and profound kids at Southmore that I interviewed with yesterday. Never saw it coming, and I went... I didn't really just do that, did I? And I did really just do that. And uh, I, I, uh, I have, like, weird little milestones in my life. Like, you know, when you get 34 days in ICU, there's certain anniversaries, the day you went in, the day you had surgery. It's just kind of personal, but the day you woke up. And then Tuesday is the day I went home. It's Tuesday. Um, August 15th was the day I had surgery. Well, August 15th this year, two years later to the day, this is God telling me I am actually in the middle of your life, whether you realize it or not, as I started work as a special ed paraprofessional at Southmore, and I got a really short path to getting certified, and maybe it's in special ed, maybe it's in the general population, but I have some friends there that have taken an interest in helping me sort that out. I don't know what it is, and I'm in over my head every day, and that's a really good place for me because I don't do well when I'm not over my head, which is most of the time, by the way. So I guess the way this kind of ends for, I, I don't understand how all of this works. I don't understand why some people stay sick for years, uh, why some people get better, why some people go home early. And, I, you know, when John the Baptist asked that question, should I, well, guess what? He didn't get out of jail. He died. Uh, I'm not going to live forever. I know that. Uh, I'm trying to enjoy. I am having a blast working with special ed kids. I get a new 10 stories every day. I, I'm never stressed. Um, I'm completely happy all day long. They are the coolest people on the planet. I get to do gym class with the basketball coach who didn't remember this, but he was in my wedding. Um, no, I didn't know he was there. I'd forgotten it, and I hadn't seen him in 20 years, and I'm with him an hour a day working with special kids in a gym class. We're having a blast. Uh, just a little, I'm in the middle of this thing. So my, my close story on this is... Uh, I guess it's three or four months after I started working out again, which was a few months after I got out of, I got out of the hospital. I, uh, what's that word? That there's this guy in our life that uses this word. It's about two things that don't really appear to go. I know where I'm going with this, but I'm going to get a lot of help. Two things that don't really go together, but they kind of are together. One, two, three. Dialectic. Yeah. Um, 
I'm sitting there listening to, you know, and I, admittedly, I'll be listening to metal some days when I'm working out, you know, like, like Led Zeppelin, who knows. Uh, but this day it happened to be worship music. Go there occasionally too. And that song, The Wonderful Cross. And I had just passed a guy who uh, was in a Sunday school class with one of Eden's co-teachers. They taught it at the church out south, and he said something about, uh, I'm in John's class, and you're that guy that we've been praying for in there. He said, you like, seem to be really healthy now. Went, yeah, I don't get it. I am. I, I don't understand any of it. Um, and he, he just talked about praying for me, and so I get on my little elliptical machine and start doing my thing, and I'm listening, like 20 minutes later, the wonderful cross comes on. And I, I had this thought go through my head that it's like, you know, this wasn't really about me at all. It's like, what do you do for other people with it? Whatever story I've got to tell, which, by the way, this is us. It's all of us. What is that noise? Is that me? No, it's not you. Thank you. I'm like, I, when the temperature gets weird, I hear weird noises. I'm like, yeah, here we go. It's a great way to end it. Literally. Um, so I'm listening to the wonderful cross and that, that uh, and I was thinking this really wasn't about me. Most everything in my life can be about other people now. And I swear to you, it, it doesn't happen to me real often, but it happens occasionally where I get this, this insane, like near audible voice from God and, when it was talking about the wonderful cross, there's, I, I got this near audible voice from God that was like, for me, this was about you. You personally, singular, not plural. The other side of the coins, it's about other people too. But that knocked me off my machine. I mean, I was just, I stepped off an elliptical and started tearing up. And I was talking to one of my 40-year friends at the Y yesterday. Um, and she's having some issues with her son. And I pointed at that machine and told her that story. She started tearing up, asked me a bunch of questions. We talked about a half hour. And the moral of the story, guys, is this is us, man. It's how God feeds us is we. It doesn't always be manna falling out of the sky. Sometimes it's I need you to go do this for them. And the rest of that song, there's a line in there that it comes into my head a lot, and I love it. It's the wonderful cross bids me come and die and find that I might truly live. It's when I put myself aside, when I get in a happy enough place to be able to do that and do something for other people, which thankfully I get to do every day now, um, it's a cool place. That's all I got. No, it's hard. Thank you, David. And I want to say a couple things will be done. Um, it's hard. It's hard to say everything about something when you're trying to talk about these matters. Um, and I appreciate Dave and Eden being sensitive that Dave, I know, has really struggled. Why me? Other people haven't experienced that. And uh, I, I think it, it's hard. I mean, we, we, don't all, we can't always speak about everything, but I, I want to ask you to consider as we finish this about the provision of the green pasture, what you need for life and godliness. In uh, Hebrews 11, you can just write this down if you want to. <clears throat> At verse <clears throat> 32, the writer <clears throat> is referring to all of these wonderful things that happened by faith. <clears throat> and again, what David Eden referred to, if you want to look at Matthew 11 about John the Baptist, go look at that too. That's a fascinating story there. He says, what <clears throat> more shall I say? <clears throat> Time would fail me if I talk about Je uh, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Notice, who through faith conquered kingdoms enforced and obtained promises, 
stopped the mouths of lions and they quenched the power of the sword or they escaped the edge of the sword, put armies to flight. Women received and then put armies to flight. Then in verse 35, there's a shift. Women received their dead back by resurrection. Some were tortured. Some refused to accept release. Some were mocked. Others were flogged, even chained and imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. Remember three verses earlier? They what? Escaped the sword. And these were killed by the sword. The writer makes this incredible statement. All these, though, were commended through their faith. Both groups. And so I, we're going to, we rejoice. I mean, we can't not rejoice what happened to Dave and what happened there. But if you're on the other side of this, sometimes it gets a little painful. What about I'm just saying that both sides of this on God's provision of the green pastures to say that if you do escape the edge of the sword, as you put your trust in the shepherd, that's an indication of his provision. On the other side, if you don't escape it, your faith, it says, the, 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 the green pastures, that all of these were commended through their faith. Different experiences, but God provided them the commendation or the approval that their life was pleasing to him. And so wherever you are with that, and it's always hard to rejoice, you know, when there are others who we know are suffering. And so I just want to ask you as we leave, when you talk about that provision, that you understand that provision of God is for life and godliness. It may look different in people's lives. It just may. And, it, and go, go meditate on there in, in Hebrews 11 and see that, that the Bible's very clear about that, very, very honest and not trying to give you just some Pollyanna-ish kind of goofy approach to life that doesn't deal with the realities. So Dave and Eden, thank you. Let's pray and we'll uh, next week get back in here on this. Lord Jesus, thanks for being our shepherd. <clears throat> Thanks for being willing to take some of us rebellious, hard-headed, stiff-necked sheep that you keep working with. And uh, we're learning more and more that we can trust you and look to you for our care and guidance. Help us to have the good sense to put ourselves into your care as you offer it. Thank you for the good uh, experience that Dave and Eden have had. Thank you for the sustaining grace that you're giving to other people who are struggling and still not got the answer yet but your sustaining grace and your care for them, the commending of them by their faith, would you strengthen them in their lives and help us as we learn each and every day how to be more directed by this good shepherd. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus, who is our shepherd. Amen.